Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Redfern. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Nikki, to the Lead to Soar podcast, as well as we're live streaming this uh, for our members of the Lead to Soar network. So, dear listeners of the podcast, by the time you hear this, well, our members will have already heard it because that's one of the advantages of being a Lead to Soar network member is you get to participate in these podcasts or these recordings ahead of time. So I'm here today, Michelle Redfern, with you today, uh, one of the co-hosts of the Lead to Soar podcast, and I have Nikki Scriven with me today. And today I'm going to ask all of the questions that I was always afraid to ask, or always wanted to know, but too afraid to ask about artificial intelligence, Web3, the metaverse, and a whole bunch of other things. I'm actually never afraid to ask that much, but I do feel like a bit of a school kid, my level of competency. Why are we talking about artificial intelligence, Web3, the metaverse and what have you in the context of leadership and women's careers? Because this is the stuff that we need to know as leaders. As leaders, we need to be continually staying abreast of emerging technologies, of technologies that present risk and opportunity for our organisations. And of course, we have to make sure that our people in our organisations, our team members, are positioned for success as well. So that's why we're talking about AI and Web3. Plus, I'm a sort of a hidden propeller head. I actually love technology. I love using it. I'm not afraid of it. I tend to think, oh, well, there's always the back button or the undo button or the whatever. I can't really break anything. So I love experimenting. And for most of the stuff that I'm good at, I'm largely self-taught. And part of that's been through talking to experts like Nikki, learning from them, and also having a bit of an experiment. So Nikki, you and I met only last year, but we've already worked together 
in a number of different capacities, not least of which is you helping me and us create our beautiful new, not new anymore, but our beautiful Lead to Soar brand and all of the assets, as well as all of the rebranding, my brand refresh for my other businesses, michelleredfern.com and Advancing Women. So we've done that. We met through sports. Surprise, surprise, people are going, oh, here's another woman in sports. So I'll let Nikki talk about her involvement there. And we're also collaborating, well, I'm collaborating with Nikki on her amazing enterprise, Chief Metachicks. So that's how, well, we got to know each other at a networking event. Remember, listeners, networking is working and quickly worked out that we had a lot in common and, well, Nikki got on the front foot and said, I need you to do some stuff for me. And I said, well, actually, I need you to do some stuff for me too. And away we went. So here we are. Welcome, Nikki. And given what I've just blathered on about, what's the highlights reel of you and your career? Thanks, Michelle. It's great to be here. I really appreciate and always love our collaborations. So, oh, look, a bit of potted history on my career. I've spent most of my career sort of in marketing, media and advertising, and I've dipped in and out of running my own businesses. I started very early in my career, straight out of uni. I did a dance drama degree, but I was always very much into sport and fitness. And I got into triathlon and kind of found my way to being quite good. And within a year, you know, I'd qualified for world championships and it just took me on a completely different path. Through that, I started my own business called Performance Promotion. It was an athlete marketing and modelling agency. And I think anyone who works in sport, particularly second tier sports, understands the challenges for athletes in generating an income and, and having a career even beyond sport. So It was at a time for me where Australia had been announced as having um, hosting the Sydney Olympics and all of a sudden all the advertising industry was wanting sort of athletic imagery. So I started picking up just because I was working in the fitness industry, I started picking up modelling opportunities for the likes of Adidas and, and Maya Sport and a few others. And as a result of that, I saw a gap in the market. And so I created performance promotion with my partner at the time, and we helped get a lot of athletes into advertising opportunities where they actually got paid instead of being given a free pair of runners, which was kind of (laughs) what happened at the time, mostly. That was a baptism of fire. It was loads of fun. I was young and naive and brave and just went for it. And it was a lot of fun at the time. We literally flew by the seat of our pants. If we had a briefing, we'd jump on a plane and go and source 30 soccer players in Sydney and do whatever we had to do to fulfil the brief. And so that was great. And then at the other side of that, I started working sort of in media. And that was when I'd realised that I was a good athlete, but I was never going to make it at the international level. And I needed to think about what my real job was. And I sort of had this knack and passion for marketing, but didn't have the marketing degree to back it up, but I knew that that's where I wanted to be. And I landed a role with News Corp, looking after some of the biggest advertisers at the time. So Coles Meyer Group, NAB, Medibank, and a few others. And as a result of that, I was working with some amazing marketing directors and just loved it. And I thought, I've got to do my master's in marketing. I want to make the jump, but I want the paper to back me up. And I knew I had a knack for it, but I really wanted the foundational knowledge. So that worked really well. I got my master's, finished in the top 10 of my year, which was awesome, and then landed my dream job, which was media strategy principal at NAB. So I was in the strategy and marketing department, but in media, which was my real knowledge base. 
And that went really well. So, you know, I sort of, I landed on my feet and I think, you know, I was very fortunate, but I think networking is working and you also make your own luck. And one of my pieces of advice to anybody is be a sponge for information. And at my time at NAB, I threw myself into every cross-functional team and project that I possibly could so that I could put my knack and sort of talent as well as my knowledge and foundation to the test. And I just developed a real knack for branding and brand strategy just by doing that, really. And I think, you know, I always had an interest in it and I was always very creative and innovative, but I had the foundation to understand what you needed to do with brand identity, how important it was. And so then out the other side of NAB, I then started another business and built my own brand from scratch. And that was at a time where I'd had children. So it was my athlete marketing agency, but for kids. And so i created an agency called Budding Star Management and also Budding Star Academy and kind of built that up. I quickly realized that there's not a lot of money in anything for actors unless you're, you know, in Hollywood. And there's certainly not a lot of money for a boutique kids modeling and casting agency where you can't control their behavior. So I had a lot of fun building that brand, but I kind of took a bit of a a step back and realized that, you know, this is just not scalable in the way that I wanted to deliver it. I didn't want it to be a membership drive where, you know, you're just taking people's money and not getting kids work. So that, and that really was the model at the time of others in the industry. So I then sort of thought, right, what do I want to do next? And my partner, husband at the time, no longer, he had been offered a role in Sydney. So we were going to move to Sydney. And then he decided last minute that he didn't want it. And I thought, you know, he'd resigned from his job. So I thought, okay, I need to go back and work and earn a corporate career because we always agreed that one of us could play and do the innovative entrepreneurial thing, but the other had to have a stable income so that, you know, we could manage everything with our kids and home and so forth. So I saw a role for Australian Super, head of brand, applied for that, got it, yay, and then got moved into head of marketing and brand, was in that role for three and a half years. Then I got tapped by Zenith, it was Zenith Optimedia at the time, to come on board as managing director in the Melbourne office, and that's a media agency. And then two years after that, I was promoted to the national CEO role. And so I was there for eight years, resigned in March last year, had to work out my six-month notice period and behind the scenes was building the brand for Chief Medichicks and Alchemy 8, which I already knew what I wanted to do when I left Zenith. It was just achieving what I wanted to achieve and, and then I was ready to take the leap. And so Alchemy 8 was already set up and ready to go and I knew that I'd end up in the sort of branding and consulting space. But I'd come up with this idea for Chief Medichicks and it was just such a passion for me to support other women in leadership and other women in business. And I had an amazing executive coach, Jack Phillips, at the time, and I was bouncing a few things around with her and she said, keep going, Nikki, this is really good. And so I thought, you know what, (laughs) why do one business when you can do two? (laughs) And so here I am. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) But having a ball doing it, I have to say. So you and I met, uh, you were either just towards the end of your notice period or you had finished with Zenith in your CEO role. And, And I remember having this just super engaging conversation. Of course, our wonderful mutual friend, Marlene Elliott, who has also been a guest on the pod and in the network talking about board directors, networking and things like that. Marlene introduces, she said, you two need to know each other. And Michelle, Nikki's got some stuff around technology that you need to know about. I went, oh, goody. And here we are. So one of the things I really want to explore today, Nikki, for our members is 
why Chief Medichix exists. And it is based on a whole bunch of things, as you've said. I mean, it speaks to me loud and clear because it's about lifting other women up and helping women who are starting and scaling their businesses, giving them a helping hand, but with a bunch of really good experts. And I must admit, you've had me on your podcast and I posted last night on the socials that one of the many reasons I'm so attracted to Chief Medichix in and amongst everything else that I do is that it's a chance for me to pay back or pay forward all of the amazing women that have helped me set up my businesses and continue to do so. I'm continually amazed at and I don't know why, maybe this is my internalised patriarchy, but I'm continually amazed at the generosity, the openness, the transparency and the wisdom of the Women's Business Network and the need for all of us. You know, we often say in Lead to Saw, a rising tide lifts all boats and that came through to me loud and clear about Chief Medichicks. But it's more than business coaching, isn't it? This is actually about addressing a systemic potential systemic issue in artificial intelligence and Web3, isn't it? It is. And look, the driving force behind me creating Chief Metachicks was that women are not well represented in many industries, but Web3 is so new and women are just not in the space. There's about 2% in leadership or less. And in terms of VC funding for female-led startups, particularly in the sort of technology and innovation space, it's under 2% in Australia. So I kind of felt the need to jump on this for a couple of reasons. There was the female empowerment side of it, but then there was also this changing landscape in media. And most of my career has been in media. And I think the best way to explain Web3, because people kind of say, what's Web3? What is it? They don't see it as something that's tangible. Web3 is the next iteration of the internet. So if we think of Web2 and you hear people call it Web2.0 and all of that, that's characterized by social and connectivity right? So you have centralized players, as you would all know, they have to give up all your personal data. And it's been great for marketers because we've been able to be really targeted with advertising. But from a consumer point of view, not so much. And consumers are getting... Sorry to interrupt. Are you talking, when you're talking the platforms, are you talking the giants, like the social media platforms? Yeah. Yeah. Your Googles, your Metas or Facebook, you know, all of those players, they're centralized platforms. You basically create your profile, you give up your personal information, and they sell advertising to target you because they have a whole lot of personal identifiable data to say that Nikki's interested in triathlon and fitness and she engages with XYZ communities so she's high propensity to engage with this product or service and it's all changing at the moment so you've seen the privacy regulation you've seen the retirement of third-party tracking cookies so if you're not sure what I'm talking about any of your community you know when you go on the internet and surf the internet you might click on something they'll drop a cookie on your profile and track you around the internet and retarget you with that ad until you convert or until you really get annoyed and and say, I don't want to see this ad anymore, which you can do now. You didn't used to be able to. So I was looking at this landscape going, wow, consumers want control of their own data. They're sick of being spammed. They're sick of being targeted around the internet. TV viewing audiences are declining because we're all watching streaming services, what we want, when we want it. All the print media that used to also be really popular for advertising, audiences have declined. So we're all in these digital and social media environments and watching what we want and engaging with what we want and kind of starting to block a lot of the advertising. 
And then along comes Web3, which is characterised by decentralisation. So no more middleman. In a Web3 environment, whether it's a game or whether it's a metaverse, and I'll explain that in a moment, it's 3D. And so Web3 is about 5G enablement. So we've now got 5G technology, which means we can engage in 3D virtual environments. So the technology brings artificial reality and augmented reality to life. So there's new ways of immersing yourself. You've probably seen it if you've got brothers or partners that love gaming. They're in these incredible 3D environments and gaming, and it's huge. And brands are starting to try to play in that space. So I was kind of looking at this perfect storm, privacy regulation coming over the top, retirement of third-party tracking cookies and consumers being fed up and declining traditional media audiences. And now you're starting to see some of the digital media spend come off as well because it's no longer as targeted as it was. And I'm thinking there's a huge opportunity for Web3 disruption here. I need to get into it. I need to learn the space and I need to help brands activate in the space. So that's really what drove me to sort of make the move. Initially, Chief Metachicks was an NFT project. And my plan was to run events and pitch events around businesses and help women understand opportunities for business application in the metaverse and have my Chief Metachicks coaches a bit Shark Tank style. So female empowerment meets Shark Tank in the metaverse was kind of my little pitch at the time. But then I took a step back because the economy tanked, markets tanked, crypto went with it, and there was lots of rug pulls. And I thought, all oh, the time is not right to go full bore into this and actually launch an NFT project because there's regulation happening in this space as well. I'm just going to sit back a little bit and observe. And then I thought, no, I'm going to launch this in a membership way and take people on the education journey. So we're still going to do everything that was in my whole brand proposition around supporting women in business, but we're going to do it in a much more traditional way. We're going to support women, plug their gaps. Their gaps may be Web3, they may not. And what I've discovered, and, and I'm sure you have too, Michelle, is there's so many amazing women in business, but you come up with an idea and you're good at one bit. And that's normal, right? We don't all have everything. Otherwise, we'd all be running businesses and we'd all be killing it. So what we've done is we've created a series of leaders that can plug all the gaps that you need to succeed in business. So be that business or executive coaching, be that marketing, be it social media, be it legal, be it finance, be it Web3, all of those things. So Basically, when we take someone on our Pitch and Grow coaching program, they run us through their business. We all ask them lots of questions and we understand the support that they need. And then we allocate them four coaches that can plug their gaps and help to build and grow and scale their business. So that's really the concept behind it. And through that, we train them on Web3. And if there's a business application in a technology or in a Web3 environment, we'll put someone on them that's got Web3 experience that can help them guide them through that and realise those opportunities. And it might not be something that you do straight away, but it's part of an ongoing learning in a very safe and friendly environment where you can ask the questions that you feel too stupid to ask. And all of that was superbly appealing to me, but particularly there were two things that really stood out for me. Number one, we know technology's had a bro culture from the outset. Um, we know artificial intelligence has also got that going on. And with listeners, you can go back to my interview with Dr. Katrina Wallace and hear about how 
few women have been actively involved in artificial intelligence. Interestingly, we're now starting to see the um, implications of that. More on that in a minute. But the part that really appealed to me, and it's, you know, I think it tips the cap to all of us who are lifelong learners. I was curious about Web3 and artificial intelligence, but I was also curious, strategically curious, because I thought I've got businesses and I know I do a whole range of things and I have to be there in whatever this emerging technology is so that I can, well, be in service of my clients, the leaders or members, the people who are depending on me to kind of help them navigate whatever it is they want to navigate. I had two sides. There was very self-serving side. I wanted to be educated, learn more about Web3 and artificial intelligence and how to position myself for it. But I also want to take that knowledge back into particularly our lead to saw network members and say, hey, this is what we need to pay attention to. Ta-da, that's why we're here today. I'm just going to kick off with the question which I warned you I was going to ask, which is pretend I'm a primary school kid and can you tell me what Web3 is? It's a bit like blockchain and Bitcoin or crypto. I get it at a theoretical level, but I'm not touching or feeling or experiencing it. So what is it? So the easiest way to understand Web3 is the next iteration of the internet. So it's enabled by 5G technology, virtual reality and augmented reality, and it's characterised by transactions in the blockchain. So remember before I said, you know, no centralised players. Mm. Decentralisation means that the creators are selling to whoever's purchasing. So there's no middleman in the transaction and the transaction is stored in the blockchain, which is a chain of information that's verified by multiple computers to say that this is legitimate, this happened. And then when something gets sold, be it a digital asset or a cryptocurrency or a token, the next chain in the blockchain is created and it's verifying that transaction as well. So it means that, I'll give you an example. If I mint, and mint means sort of produce and make it available for sale in a Web3 context on an exchange, if I mint a Chief Metachicks NFT and you buy it, Michelle. I'm pleased to say that I can say that is a non-fungible token. I do know what an NFT is. Do you know what? We have a fabulous resource in Chief Metachicks world called Jargon Decoded, and it has all of these wonderful acronyms and the meaning of those acronyms. So if you ever get stuck, if there's ever anything that you don't know, you just go into Chief Metachicks world, go onto the Web3 screen and take a look at it. In fact, you can download Jargon Decoded and it's your Bible And we could spell it B-I-B-L just to be really cool. (laughs) So what you'll find is there's a whole lot of jargon and a whole lot of what, you know, I laugh at and call crypto bro talk. And it's designed to confuse you. It's not confusing. Mm. It's just transparent transactions stored on the blockchain. That is really what Web3 is. And they're digital currencies. Sorry to jump in there, but I guess what I'm, you know, I'm still in Web2. so I Most people are. So... I want to, want to use a, a really practical example. So right now we have the Leadersaw Network, which sits on top of the Mighty Networks yep. platform. I have my social media profiles, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, X, Facebook. I'm sitting on top and using the resources of uh-huh. someone else, right? And paying for it. In Web2. Yes, so let's use the lead to saw network because I think everyone watching live, they've signed up, they know how we work. So how would that differ in Web3 potentially? Yeah. 
and I can give you the example for Chief Medichix, which was the original plan. Mm. So I was going to create Chief Medichix world in the metaverse, potentially in Decentraland, which is a metaverse environment. So it's a 3D environment where you have an avatar and you cruise around and there'll be different brand activations in there. You know, they run different events, they run music events, there's games, there's things that are more associated with gambling. There's all sorts of things happening in the metaverse to appeal to different communities. So the application in Web3 is ideal if you've got an existing community because you've got an engaged community that will come and then it's around what you want to do in that space. So for Chief Metachicks, we were going to create a series of events, host our events in there, and also bring brands in that would add value to the network. So, we, you know, we might have music events where if you attend the event, you get to download that tune and it, it can download to your Spotify account. We could have shopping events. We could have education events on, you know, Web3 technology or, you know, any other business things. And we could run our pitch events live. So that was the plan for our Web3 iteration until everything kind of tanked. And what was happening at the time is a lot of people were buying up plots of land. So in a Web3 environment, you create and build yourself. So you can build with the tools, you can build your own environment. So I could build a stadium for Chief Medichix if that's what I wanted. So you could create whatever you like and you're not paying someone for that privilege. You might purchase a plot of land or, or rent a plot of land, but you do the building and the creating yourself and those that engage in your environment transact directly with you and there's no middleman taking a clip on the way through. So that's kind of how it's characterised. Now, what I will say... Okay. In all your transactions. As, as she scurries off now to uh, set up Lee Desaur in the metaverse, you know. Yeah, well, you can, and I can probably help you. Poor Susan's on the call. She's going, oh, my God, Michelle, don't. <laughs> um, the other piece that's really important to understand is there's smart contracts. So every transaction or every asset that you purchase or whatever you're purchasing, there is a smart contract. And it's really important to understand the details in that smart contract. So if I mint a whole lot of Chief Metachicks NFTs, I could build in that every time someone did the artwork, they might get rewarded every time that that's sold. So you might sit on the Chief Metachicks NFT for a while and then decide, you know, I think I've done my bit here, I'm gonna sell it. And it may have gone up or down in value. You sell it and, you will take the bulk of the revenue that comes through that in cryptocurrency, but you can also change it out to fiat currency. But there might be in that smart contract something that rewards whoever created the art and also me as the original owner. So I might get 5 or 10% and the artist might get 5 or 10% and you get the rest. So it's really important to understand the smart contracts before you purchase or engage in anything in that space. I want to change gear a bit now because I could actually nerd out for, you know, the rest of the hour, but we want to help our members think about what they need to know and importantly what they need to do from both a career and a leadership perspective. So from a career perspective, you know, you and I have had very similar careers in the corporate world. If you think about what well, we were both at the NAB, if we were at the NAB right now in our various roles and what would we need to pay attention to? So if I'm in an organisation and I might be leading people, I'm kind of in the in middle management. So I'm not necessarily setting the strategy, the AI or the Web3 or crypto strategy for the organisation, but I want to be in a position where I know what I'm talking about. What do I need to do and what do I need to pay attention to? 
I think the first thing, and you mentioned it before, which you are, is curious. You've just got to lean in and test and understand. And it can be overwhelming when there's something new, but it's like anything. Once you get going and have a go, it's a bit awkward to start with. It feels a bit clunky and then you just get better and better and better at it. I think AI has the potential to drive enormous efficiencies in everything that we do. So the very first place to start is chat GPT. And GPT 3.5 is free. Get in there and play and see what it can do. What I would say and what you really need to pay attention to is the accuracy. Because if you think that you can just go in and it's going to do it all for you and you don't have to check it because it's AI and it's it's machine learning and it's all fine, they can hallucinate and produce some very incorrect results. So you need to play with it. Here's a good test. So I got chat GPT. I put in, please write a biography about Michelle Redfern. And oh, God, it was wonderful. There was only about three facts in it, though. But geez, I was proud of myself for all of the things that I've done. It, it was interesting. It had grabbed snippets, particularly around my advocacy in sport and things like that. But yeah. some of it was just complete and utter bullshit. And I went, how, how does this even happen? So I agree. And look, I am an avid user and so is Susan. And Susan's been our, she's been our curious exploring pioneer around AI and really looking at different methods and technologies that all of us can pay attention to. I think there's some really great and listeners, sorry, network members, we're going to be keep posting about this as well, because this is the stuff that we want you to know. But I think AI and those large language models, we know that, you know, we'll chat GPT is only current to 2021. GPT-4 goes to September 2023, but that's the paid version. So I always say to people, just test. That's right. And that's, I think yes. that's 20, yep. 20 US a month, isn't it? Something like that. So yeah. But there's other models as well. So I use a combination. So I've been using Otter AI for years. It's just got better and better. Or it's still, interestingly, it still hears me <laughs> say nipple instead of netball, which is makes me crack up every time I see a transcript. But anywho, and I'm seeing the little AI symbol appear on so many of my different applications now to help me refine what it is that I'm doing. So I think AI, I feel that there's very good opportunity for usability and efficiency. But as a leader in an organisation, we want you to care about your own development. But what about our people, Nikki? What do we need to do to either get them ready or accelerate their readiness for these new technologies? And of course, these are just two of the names of all these emerging technologies. This is What is it around as a leadership act that we need to do? Oh, so many things. I think you've got to lean into it and I think you've got to create the policies for the organisation around the use of AI and um, what you're prepared to use and what you're not. And then you need to train staff and onboard them. Because if we all go, oh, cool, this will write that paper for me or that press release or, you know, that piece of internal comms or whatever it is, it may or may not be accurate. And it's, it's so important for everybody that whatever you're doing, you check and you do your own research and you verify and you vet and you tweak. It's great to remove the blank staring at the blank page, but it's not going to do it all for you. It's going to give you a really efficient start and then you need to tweak it. 
But if I was a leader and I was still at Zenith right now, I would be creating one or two day workshop and immersing my people in it. But I would have written a whole lot of policies and guidelines to say what is and isn't appropriate. Here's what we're verified to use in the organisation. Here are the different applications and then run a boot camp where we onboard our staff and we test and learn and, and give them the time and the headspace to get it right. Because I think in any of these new technologies, if you're doing things on the fly, you'll make errors and, you know, you could be in trouble down the track. One of the key things to really look out for with any artificial intelligence and machine learning is IP protection. And I'll give you a really good example. With a, another founder and another little business that I'm working in on the side. Oh, because, you know, it's not like you've got every, enough to do. <laughs> I know, but it's so fun. You lean into this space and you meet amazing people and then you start brainstorming. You come up with cracking ideas and you go, let's just do it. Let's have a go. <laughs> Create a little MVP and see if it works. And if it doesn't, you move on to the next thing. But it's really fun. But anyway, we created a website. So I'll give you, this is a cracker of an AI tool. It created a website and a logo for us in one minute. It's Mixo, M-I-X-O dot I-O. Now, it's very formulaic. The logo it came up with was so perfect for what we're doing and it does the same logo for everything. So whatever your name, it puts that in dots in a circle. But for actually what we were looking at, which was a token, it was just so perfect. I was like, wow, how did we do this so quickly? It was amazing. SEO optimised and you literally just type in your purpose or your proposition and it creates and can set live your website within Crikey. about a minute. So anyway, Ash and Connector, he goes, look what I've just created for us. I was like, it blew my mind. I thought, this is amazing. And he said, see what it does for Chief Metachicks. So I plugged in into the prompts, the purpose of Chief Metachicks, empowering women in business, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, it came up with Empower Her. And I thought, what a cool idea. And then I thought, oh, Entrepreneur would be really cool too. And Ash is going, register it, register it. So I just checked. Empower Her and Entrepreneur are already listed, registered and existing businesses. So yeah. I could have gone, you beaut, set this live without checking it and could have been, you know, oh, facing a lawsuit indeed. from the US. So you know, you've got to be really careful around these things. Having said that, my upcoming event, which um, the lovely Michelle is a panellist on, is called Celebrating Entrepreneurs. So it gave me a great idea and I can use it in naming an event, but I wouldn't use it in a business. So that's probably a good example. You need to be really conscious of the IP and make sure you're doing your own research. I want to take you back to the as leaders and now I'm going to talk about leaders at every level because I think at a board level we need to be savvy and we need to have these skills and you know certainly here in Australia we've had lots of discussions in the last few years about board competency, competency in cyber, digital start off with then cyber now yeah, and crypto yada yada yada. So I think as board directors we absolutely need to keep brushing up our skills. As leaders in the organisation no matter what level let's think let's take a strategic lens and remember listeners we want to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by using our business strategic and financial acumen. So some of this stuff is fun but think Think about it strategically. For you as a leader, for me as a business owner, I'm thinking, yay, efficiency and blah, blah, blah. As a team member in the organisation, I might feel very threatened by this technology and say, I'm going to lose my job because there's some machine doing the brand work I used to do or writing the content that I used to write or doing the processes. And the truth is, 
that probably will happen in some degree. So we need to take our people, engage their greatness, seek it out. We need to take them on this learning journey and help them know about the, the emerging technology, but get them ready to gain new skills, but maybe even reskill. Have you had any examples or I guess I know you, you are doing training in organisations around these technologies and particularly around women in the organisation. So have you got any examples of done well, I suppose, in terms of, that, I guess, that mindset shift? You know, if we all freak out and go, you know, the robots are coming and I'm not going to have a job, the jobs will change. They've changed over years and years and years. You know, like we've automated manufacturing lines and, you know, and then there's more supervising and but then, you know, you can do more volume. So what I think with AI is, yes, it's going to create efficiencies and, yes, there may be some rationalisation of jobs, but there'll be new jobs. And one of the things that is so powerful with AI is the technological leaps that we can create. And so I think the more you get in and play and understand the potential of this, the more you can add value in your organisation and help them innovate. And, you know, that whole digital transformation, so many organisations are still struggling with it. If you think of, you know, the likes of NAB, which you and I have both worked at, and it was a long, long time ago for me, but even in other financial services organisations that I've worked in, there's so many outdated clunky systems that they're desperately trying to connect up together. And, you know, I've seen it in so many organisations where you spend millions and millions of dollars trying to do this digital transformation or on board this new ad tech technology or whatever, and then you go to press go and it doesn't work. And that money is down the tubes. So AI's potential, it is iterative machine-based learning. It can write code. It can see errors in code. It can create new code to fix those things. And it's AI that's going to power Web3 and get the whole UX, which is an user experience. The, the barrier for Web3 at the moment is it's clunky and the user experience isn't great, which is why the platforms that you're using now, Michelle, is perfect for your business now. And it's why I launched Chief Metachicks World in a kind of Web 2.5 way. It's not in Web 3. Chief Metachicks World is built on the Curious platform, which is a software as a service company, and the UX is brilliant. It's seamless. And for me, that was the right step rather than bringing people into the metaverse when they weren't ready. So I think my advice is lean in and learn and look at where you can help your organisation. What are the challenges that your organisation is trying to solve and how can you use AI and use prompts to solve some of those things and be the champion for that in your organisation? You're going to add enormous value and you're going to learn and then, you know, if you're not going to add a value in the organisation that you're in, you're sure as hell going to add value in the next one and then you can get AI to help write your resume and your cover letter and boom, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, one of our, our long-term, fabulously engaged members, Sean, made a comment. She said she read this morning that large language models won't be used for robots as they don't know what they're talking about and robots need to understand the world and their place in it. So that's an interesting tidbit. And I know Sean works for one of our major telcos and has been in technology for a long, long time. But she's also asked... She would love some more pointers from Nikki on where to read up on AI and Web3 opportunities and risks. And you can't, I was going to say, open the paper. Hello, how old am I? You can't open the paper's webpage, <laughs> the newspaper, or you can't open anything without reading 
some catchy headline about this stuff, but where do we go? Where What are the reliable sources of information? Look, we have a bit of a, a reading list that we provide in our newsletter. So subscribe to the Chief Medichick's newsletter and we can point you in the right direction. You've got to read widely. And this is so new. There's not one source. So, you know, I like anyone, you you can Google to find out what else is there and you've got to do your own research. At the moment, it's around what are you looking for? And, you know, Google's a great way to sort of find that. I like McKinsey. I subscribe to Web3 Academy. If you're wanting to learn more about what's happening in the whole legal landscape with the SEC at the moment and some of the um, the cases, Molly White is absolutely brilliant. So you can get on her Substack. And there's the Joan Dow Index, which is so clever. I love it. So, and as well as the index. So they're kind of my sources of Web3, very knowledgeable. They're not rah-rah Web3. They're very well-rounded and they give you the warts and all view. And then Web3 Academy is a really good one to learn, but they're a little bit more rah-rah. You know, there's a lot of people that see the opportunity for Web3 and really want to see it succeed, and so they'll talk up the positivity. It's important to understand the, the challenges in the space as well. And we're in a new landscape. There's a lot of regulation. There's a lot of legal cases going particularly from the SEC at the moment, and that's really important. It's actually good because we need to get rid of the bad actors and you know, make an example of them to deter that behaviour moving forward because it was a bit of the Wild West initially. And this is that time where it tanks, it settles, there's, you know, the look of what regulation needs to happen in this space and then Mm. it's going to take off. And the cat's out of the bag, you know, AI is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. You know, we need responsible AI, but we're just not going to stick it back in the can. It just can't happen. (laughs) Like... I'm a big fan of the Harvard Business Review or the HBR site. Yes, I'm a subscriber and put it this way, folks, members, if you're looking at Harvard and you can find an article but can't get past the paywall, give me a shout, DM me in um, Lead to Soar and I'll download it and share it with you all. So I find that to be a really reliable site, good mix of business and academic focus. The thing that I'd very much encourage all of you to do, though, is make sure that you understand your organization's policy around artificial intelligence and the use of, and hopefully it's got a strategy, but I think we're hearing that it's probably not, or it may not be readily available, but ask your boss. I mean, one of the great ways to demonstrate your strategic acumen is to start asking the questions about where the business is heading, what the policy and the strategic direction is for artificial intelligence and Web3, and how might you be more involved or gain more information. You're demonstrating that curiosity, which is demonstrating your strategic thinking. So always ask your boss or your boss's boss. The other thing is put your hand up and say, can you be involved in a project team to deliver this? If, if a policy doesn't exist, and in many organisations it doesn't yet, it's kind of hitting the too hard basket, you know, make sure you put your hand up and just say, hey, look, I've got a real interest in this. So, and read up a bit, experiment a little bit so you can go in and demonstrate some knowledge and say, I'd like to put my hand up to be involved in a cross-functional project team to develop the policy and some of the training around it. Well, I'm going to give an absolutely blatant plug here to one of my amazing clients, IAG, 
as many of you will know, I've been running the Game Changers Leadership Program with IAG since 2018. And part of that program, I do two programs a year with about 30 women in each program. And part of that is we run strategic projects. And two of the project teams this time around, right here, right now, are going to be working on an AI project, which is it's super exciting and I'm um, nerdishly excited to see what they come up with. Okay, Mel's asking, are you aware of any AI tools that you can import data for use in generating content writing but keep the data source out of the internet as a source? So thinking about the company's IP, things like past proposals, etc. That's where you've got to be really, really careful. So I was working on a... Um, consulting project recently and I thought gosh it'd be so good to pump some of this in and just get it to wordsmith and I thought no there's no way I can because it can be used now in chat gpt4 I think there's a box that you can tick to say that it doesn't go into the pool so but you'd need to really check that the best source is chat gpt I would say and in terms of the amount of inputs into it, it it's enormous so you're going to get your most effective result from that, but you need to make sure. And I, and I did read recently that they have created that your data doesn't go into the pool. Personally, I don't know that I'd feel that confident though. And so if you're working with very sensitive data, there's been some use cases where people have used it and then it, you know, competitors have got hold of it. So you need to be very, 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 very careful. Yeah. So this is all of us, again, becoming aware and undertaking the due diligence with any tool that we use. So yeah, it's a great question, Mel. Thank you. We've road tested quite a few. So we look at the use cases for AI in, you know, image creation, video editing. So video.io, really, really good. You could put in, you know, like if Michelle was filming this whole podcast and then wanted to have it cut up some reels for social media and in different formats, it'll do it all for you in about a minute. It's brilliant. Oh, I might just do that. Thank you. (laughs) It'll save me a lot of time. In Chief Medichick's world, in the Web3 screen, we've road tested and we just recommend the ones, I mean, there's a whole, there's so many different tools and there's more coming every day and there's, you've got the API plugins for ChatGPT. So people are creating new tools with GPT powered through an API. So there's new stuff coming all the time. It depends what your required use case is, but we've got some suggestions. So, you know, there's audio, another brilliant one. I can't remember the name of it, but I'm happy to provide it to Michelle so she can share it with you. Ash, my co-founder that I mentioned before, he said to me, Nick, just send me via Telegram 30 seconds of you talking. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> anyway, so I did that. He said, just talk about Chief Medicics. I'm like, okay, no worries. Did that, sent it to him. He sent me back a podcast of my voice. And he said, no one would know. He said, you could produce 200 episodes and no one would know that this is not you. Oh God, Mel, Mel, we're redundant. <laughs> Bloody hell. But, you know, like these tools are just getting better and better and better. So, you know, we've got some that we recommend our community just play with and get to know for image creation. Again, the IP is really interesting there for voice creation, for video editing and obviously text and, and code creation is the other one. But again, just watch the sensitivity. 
Yeah. And speaking about sensitivity, another great question from Mel around the ethics in using AI that sways people's decisions. So she's thinking specifically about AI-generated proposals that can impact a decision maker, including for government contracts. Have you seen those types of discussions anywhere specifically, Nikki? Yeah, and one that's so relevant to this audience too. I um, had been doing some work for University of Melbourne and they invited me to their AI event, which was all around gender and gender inputs as well as ethics into AI. And it was fascinating. Live, they were saying, you know, send us prompts and we'll see what it comes up with. And they were doing image generation and, you know, putting in doctor and of course it pulls up a bloke and putting in stay-at-home parent and of course it comes up with a woman and and all of these issues so there's the kind of gender bias as well as ethics and these are issues and there's and I think and we know racial bias as well because we know that there are so many in fact I was reading something last week which I should have taken a note of around people of colour, uh, black and brown faces not being readily as identifiable as people with white faces or more identifiable in some cases. Yeah, there are challenges. Excuse my language, everyone, but it's like shit in, shit out, right? You know, and this is whoever's creating the stuff at the start. But I think the ethics is of huge interest to me, particularly as a director, because, you know, some of these things are going to pop up in our soup years down the track. 100%. There's a lot of people looking at it. CSIRO are doing some really, really good work in the space and just government in general Mm. are kind of, you know, there is oversight on this and there is going to be regulation. You know, it's a little bit the horse has bolted, but, you know, with any new innovation, things will charge off. You saw it with cryptocurrencies and NFTs going crazy and then it gets reined in. So that's where we're at and there's a lot of people looking yeah. At ethics, at regulation, at gender biases, and there's a lot of very intelligent people involved. So I think we'll get to a place where it's okay. But like I said before, you've got to do your own research. You can't take as gospel anything that is produced by AI. See it as a tool to assist you. Don't see it as the holy grail. I want to reiterate again, folks, that this is such an important domain for women to become competent in. These are a set of skills. Yes, I know we've we've talked about all of the, you know, it's a bit of the Wild West out there at the moment, but we, you know, this is why Nikki has, is doing what she's doing is to help all of us have a safe space to land, to ask these questions, talk about it, become skilled and then skill others because we can't end up with another domain that's not actually the right expression but we can't end up with another virtual world that is is white and male 100 we just can't and that's going to take all of us to step up and step into this space i'll just add to that too the other really important thing is if you're engaging in web3 environments you typically connect your crypto wallet so you'll create a wallet before you even think about going into that space make sure you've done your homework on security And again, we provide those resources in Chief MetaChicks World. So there's a whole lot of information there around, you know, setting up your Chrome MetaMask plugin, setting up a crypto wallet, having two wallets. So if you connect, like for myself, I have wallet one and wallet two. Wallet one, I connect into different metaverse environments, but I only keep a tiny bit of Ethereum in there for the environments that I want to connect in. Wallet two is where I store any, uh, you know, large portions of cryptocurrency or valuable assets. And I never, ever, ever connect that wallet anywhere. And I never accept an airdrop unless I know and I'm expecting it. 
then the first days of, of internet shopping, you'd have your little credit card that you used because if it got kind of an okay, I've only lost a grand or whatever, whereas the big one or anything else, you wouldn't connect. So it's, it's very, very similar in that regard. Yeah, and there's also cold storage as well, which is even safer, where it's not actually connected anywhere. You literally download it into a hard wallet, and that's the other thing. But, again, that's something we can tap into another time if you like, but security is really key before you start experimenting in Web3. You'd have to have been living under a rock in the business world in the last few years to to not hear about security, particularly here in Australia where we've had such high-profile ransomware attacks on major organisations who, you know, arguably were asleep at the switch when it came to uh, being in a state of readiness for a um, for a cyber attack. And we know that this is now organised crime. I was listening to a very interesting debate on the about the, the death of cash. And as an, a former ATM queen at the NAB, of course, I was always told, oh, well, cash is going to be dead. And I said, well, there's criminals. There's always going to be cash. Well, I'm not so sure anymore because there's cryptocurrency. hundred <laughs> percent. And of course, organised crime now is just so different. It, it's in the, well, it's in the current internet and it most certainly will be in Web3. Any final pieces of advice, Nikki, for our leaders on the call? Because we've heard from you, don't be scared, be curious and lean into finding information. Go to reliable sources and do your due diligence and, and gather information. Be wary of, of you know, security, but also be strategic and position yourself as someone who's ready to learn in your organisation. So aside from all that, what's one piece of advice? If, if people are listening now and later on, if there's one thing you want them to do, what would that be? Carve out time to strain your brain. <laughs> that That is my one piece of advice. Like just block out an hour a day if you can or even, you know, an hour every second day where you go, okay, I'm up for new learning. This is going to strain my brain and I'm okay with it. And give yourself permission because you, the Web3 space, it can be not a great user experience, which is why we need more women in it for a start because some of the best UX designers I've ever worked with are actually women. And there's a lot of developers in Web3 at the moment that love complexity and with complexity doesn't come simplistic user experience. So get in there, carve out the space, play, do it in a safe way and understand the security first, but be curious and carve out the time. And I would... I would make sure that you have three to five hours a week where you go, okay, this chunk of time is on AI. What are the different tools I want to play with and learn and test with? And then, you know, if you're wanting to see how much you learn, kind of just measure your knowledge from, you know, week one to week two to week five to, you know, week 10. And before you know it, you'll be really, really proficient in this space and you'll start to develop new skills that you can apply in your workplace, but it'll also open your ideas up to other business opportunities and you might think about a side hustle. Well, I'm, I'm just also just having a bit of a brain fart because I do, I'm thinking that could be something that we could do for our lead to saw members is have a strain your brain, carve out time to strain your brain on AI and Web3 sessions. So I'm going to noodle on that, as Mel would say, and think about what we might do there, folks. Well, I'm happy to um, share with you some tools to have a play with that I, you know, that I've road tested that I think are really great. Um, and it depends what your use is. You know, if you're wanting to use AI in the workplace, you, can't, you know, your best place to start is ChatGPT if you haven't. 
already. If you're in the creative space or you're in marketing or social media, then video.io, great. If you're wanting to optimize SEO, then you can start using some of these code creation tools. So I'll share some of my faves, but there's more popping up all the time. Awesome. Well, Sean's already said she's in if we do that. So there you go. I think I'm, I think I'm committed, but anyway. Well, wait for the Chief MetaChicks Summit because we're going to do a whole day on Web3 and AI and you'll come out of it with, you know, all the security, wallets set up and airdrop of the Chief MetaChicks NFT with lots of value in it. April next year, it's coming. Well, I reckon we, we might... We might have to cover a bit of it at our Lead to Soar Summit here in Australia as well. So uh, emerging technologies that leaders need to pay attention to. Mel's going, oh, God, there's another agenda change that Michelle's just made. Holy crap. Anyway, Nikki, thanks so much for gifting us an hour of your time, your expertise, and your wit of some really practical advice, some great tools there for us to, to look at and play around with. But ultimately, this is <laughs> Naomi saying her brain is strained, so mission accomplished. We've got to be curious. We've got to take a leadership role. We've got to step in and play. We've got to be safe. We've got to really help our, our people go on the journey, um, and we've got to be strategic about it. But ultimately, and as my Fabulous friend, mentor and co-host of Lead to Soar, Susan Colantuno says, make time, make the commitment. And that's the way we develop our skills on an ongoing basis as amazing leaders. Nikki Scriven, you are awesome. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us live, folks. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.